The organization started by my father. The thought was that he understood the challenges and tribulations that people experience when they come to a new country. It was back in 1968 and the first office was opened in 1972. People became good citizens, the people became citizens of the United States and contributed to their new homeland. Welcome to another episode of the Interesting People podcast. Today, I am joined by Natalie Coffey, the program director of the Spanish-speaking community of Maryland, as well as Maria Herrera, the executive director. How are you two doing? Good. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Let's talk about the Spanish-speaking community of Maryland. You guys have just expanded to Frederick. It's about a year and a half old at this point, right? It's actually a year. Just turned a year in August. Oh, happy birthday. Thanks. How long has the organization been around in Maryland? What led to the Frederick expansion and what's the general idea of you guys? Sure. So our organization's been around for 50 years. We opened up a Frederick office because we had hundreds of people coming from Frederick County to our Silver Spring office to the point where I saw an opportunity and told our executive director, which is actually my mom, that we definitely needed to open up an office in Frederick that just to lessen the burden of these individuals that were traveling so far. And we knew there was a need, but boy, did we not know how big the need was. What are some of the basic services that you guys offer? Sure. So just to touch on the United Way, the podcast that you actually did with them, they actually mentioned our organization because we gave them some Spanish-speaking volunteers to use. So that was a huge help, and we actually have been speaking with them, kind of preparing for the new tax year to hopefully get some more Hispanics doing their taxes as it's vital to them becoming a citizen. Our elevator pitch typically is, well, what do you need? And that is how we cater to each client's needs because they are so different. So before we came to Frederick County, there was no other organization that was offering the services that we do. So what separates us from maybe some other nonprofits is that we are not a referral agency. We do everything directly with our clients. So whether it is they haven't seen a doctor in a long time, we will find them a doctor that can help them regardless if they have funds to pay the doctor or not. And then we will actually take them to that doctor for the first few visits to ensure that there's no language barriers or miscommunications regarding any of their health needs. We also have an incomplete immigration side as well. So we help people petition their family members who are currently citizens from another country. We also, a big focus, our main focus really lately has been domestic violence, sex trafficking, and those types of situations within Frederick County Public School families. That's where we've seen our big impact lately with the families that we've been helping. So the way we help them is by helping them obtain work permits or anything to help them be able to leave their abusive household. If we're working with Hartley House, for example, so they escape their abusive home, they go to Hartley House, we'll work with the client on the back end so that they can get a job and completely leave that house, not just stay in a temporary housing situation. We'll also help them find mental health as well, and we also offer free attorneys. Are those Spanish-speaking attorneys, or is another thing that you guys are like an in-between on that? So it's an in-between. So some of our attorneys do completely pro bono work, and obviously some of them charge a sliding scale. But the ones that we work with, we don't work with any attorneys that will not provide an extremely reduced rate for our clients. And not all of them speak Spanish. Some of them do and some of them don't, but we go with them to the attorney's office. Again, we don't want to leave these clients to feel like they are ever alone. There's nothing worse than feeling like, hey, go to these five places. They can all help you, but by the time they get to us, they're too scared. They're almost frozen. Mm -hmm. So they need us to be able to go with them to the attorney again, to the doctor, to get food or whatever the case may be. Be whatever their need is. Yeah, so you guys aren't like a taxi service that gets someone to a location. You actually go with them and Correct. ensure that they can use it properly. 
Correct. And well, we have done a taxi service as well. If it's their fourth or fifth appointment and they do have a comfortable relationship with the doctor and they just don't have transportation, there's certainly been times where we do have a van where we have taken clients places. We just try to help people. All of our attorneys are pro bono when it comes to all free consultations. So that is a great savings for a lot of people because attorney fees can range anywhere from 150 to three or $400 an hour. So being able to have that legal advice, it's very resourceful and very helpful to individuals who are in great need. Right. And not just come to us. So that's why our critical needs partnership with Frederick County Public School is so huge. That allows us to go in and be in front of these parents to let them know what services are available. The school is a safe place for them. So for us to be able to go there, set up a morning meeting, knowing that we'll be able to capture all of these parents right after drop off is huge. So we're able to tell them what services we can provide, how we can help them. And it's completely eye opening for them. We've seen tears. We've seen many different emotions during these meetings because they had no idea that someone is right here for them and they thought their only option was to pay these high attorney fees, which they can't afford. You were able to team with the schools rather quickly. Were you working on that before you got to Frederick? Or was that- No. Actually, we knew that that was something that was important to do right away because, again, that's a safe place for families and that's where we can hopefully speak to these families before they go for even a worse or turn in a domestically violent situation. But we've had a partnership with Montgomery County Public Schools for 25 years. So because of our track record with that, we knew how successful it was. And so we presented that to Frederick County Public Schools. And of course, they welcomed us with open arms. The pickup is such an interesting idea. Maybe me guessing it probably, but the PTA probably isn't the best vector for those parents. Well, it depends. And I really, truly think that all of the school liaisons and the PTA and the counselors have the best interests of the parents at heart. But again, it's that language barrier. And if you don't speak the language and you don't know the culture firsthand, it's hard. And we can't expect them to know how they're going to react or how to treat these individuals. So that's why Maria, our executive director, you know, she came to this country when she was eight years old lived in a refugee camp for about two weeks knowing no English her family didn't speak English didn't have a childhood she can relate to these families and she talks to these families openly about her circumstance and what she went through and how she survived it all I think that's really empowering for our families especially within the school system who oftentimes feel like there is no hope for them and that's why we're here and that's our mission and that's where we're not going to give up doing for our families where were you from Central America Mexico I was born in Cuba and we came as part of the refugees that came in the, in the 1960s when the United States had flights into Cuba. Yeah. And that's how I came. And then we lived at what's called the Liberty House, which was like a refugee camp for when we arrived at the United States for a couple of weeks until we were able to move to Maryland. What were some of the big things back then that you really wish that you've helped make now or things that you still wish you could work on? I think a couple of things is the fear factor. I mean, you're coming into a new country. There's there's a lot of unknown. You're trying to survive. You're trying to make a better opportunity for your families. And I think that has not changed mm-hmm. the years that I came or you're leaving oppression from your country, which was, you know, a communist country where I came from. So I think all those factors play a big part was then when I came as a child as well as today. But I think the biggest issue right now is, you know, how do I survive? You know, how do I work? How do I feed my family? And working with the children, like Natalie mentioned, in the school system, being able to open those doors to say it's not okay, abuse is not okay, mm-hmm. be able to be open about it, being able to speak with someone who is from your culture, who understands your culture, makes a very big difference because you're not speaking to what some people consider someone who will not understand my culture. You're speaking to someone who's lived it, been there, and understands the culture. One of the things about this too is learning a language is not fast, it's not easy, and a lot of the people that are in these situations don't have the time 
It's very funny that you mentioned that because we realize that. And one of the things we've done at Hillcrest Elementary School is actually are offering English classes. As mm. the parents are dropping off their children and some of them are not working, they're just going back home and doing absolutely nothing because they're afraid or they just don't know. We actually have a volunteer who's been offering English classes and we're starting back up again in September. Oh, really? To entice the mothers or the fathers or whomever, the family members to come as they drop their children. And twice a week, we are offering English classes at Hillcrest. I guess I didn't consider the other parent, like the stay-at-home parent, getting Correct. a chance to learn English. And well, it's then. not always the stay-at-home, mm-hmm. because a lot of time it's stay-at-home for not intentional reasons. So the husband or vice versa won't yeah. allow the other one to work. You know, we recognize these signs, and that's why having these English classes right in the school, again, that's safe zone for them, yeah. has been amazing. And our numbers have been high in attendance because they don't have to go anywhere else. They're where they're safe. They can walk right there. If they have small children with them, they're also cared for in a room right across the hall from mm-hmm. them. I mean, it's a complete package, and it takes that vulnerability out of the picture of them having to go somewhere where they're not familiar. And it also seems like a good way for people to meet each other. And yes. Get off of that. And ultimately, I mean, our goal is self-sufficiency mm-hmm. for everything that we provide because if you do not speak the language, if you cannot get a job, if you cannot have those resources that guide you through the process, it's very difficult sometimes to think that you can get ahead. So being able to have that support and saying, yes, you can, and we're here to extend our hand and help you, I think is the success that we have is actually bringing people to self-sufficiency. The history of the organization, when did exactly did it start? Where did it start? So the organization started by a man who had a dream, came in as a refugee, who was my father. The thought was that he understood the challenges and tribulations that people experience when they come to a new country. He left his family behind. He never saw his family again. His mother passed away, his brothers, and he never saw them again. So he wanted to make a difference for the immigrants families that were coming to the United States. He wanted to make sure that there was reunification of families, that people became good citizens, that people became citizens of the United States and contributed to their new homeland. So this is how it started. It was back in 1968 and the first office was open in 1972. And in the beginning, it was also mainly Hispanics. Yes. And now we are completely international translating 60 plus languages. We had European clients from France. We've had Togo. We've had South Africa. We're international. So even though the name of the origin is still Spanish, speaking communities of Maryland, you guys are actually like an international... We didn't want to change it after 50 years. It just seemed (laughs) too much. Branding Branding. could be... I mean, I have to imagine a lot of the lessons that you learned building the Spanish-speaking organization apply to those, but finding people with the right culture, finding all that, is is that where you just, you solve the need and you could find people that could help? Or how did you expand into all those extra languages? Well, I think that our relationship with the school systems, Montgomery County and Frederick County Public Schools, has helped us greatly with that. Because, again, when it comes to immigration, we're all immigrants. And mm-hmm. that is kind of how we have, without changing our name, rebranded ourselves, that it does not matter who you are, your skin color, your nationality. It does not matter. If you have a need, we help American citizens. Mm -hmm. I helped a lady from Puerto Rico recently find a job, did a resume for her, placed her at a new job. So it does not matter. Yes, our primary focus is our international families, but it doesn't matter. Anyone who comes to our door, we can help them if they are just looking for a better paying job, need help understanding how to ask their boss for a raise, Mm -hmm. anything. We really just want to help the community, like Maria said, become self-sufficient with whatever their need is. And it just happens that the most major need has been the 
domestic violence. When did you guys start focusing on domestic violence? It's not really that we started focusing on it. It's that it just became more dominant. In... We've been doing U visas, helping people do U visas for years and years and years before mm-hmm. we came to Frederick. However, once we arrived in Frederick, we have seen a high demand for families of abuse. Mm-hmm. So consequently, we are continuing to focus. But U visas is something we have done for many, many years, which is part of the domestic violence for immigration. If people are familiar with that term. So U visa is something that people could apply for if you've been cooperative with the police and you have actually been abused and you have all the proper documentation. You can actually apply for a visa, which will allow you to become a resident of the United States. We saw a big spike in it when we came to Frederick County, but we have been doing the T visas, U visas and things of that nature for quite some time. And T visa is for sex trafficking, mm-hmm. human trafficking. How welcoming has Frederick been for expanding? The best. The absolute best. I want to give a shout out to Child Advocacy Center, Hartley House, Social Services. I mean, those are the main ones that we work with that send us clients. The school system? Constantly. The school system, obviously, yes. I mean, they have been amazing to work with. Absolutely amazing. Corporate, the counselors, the principals, assistant principals, everyone has been very hands-on now knowing that they have an organization in their corner such as us to be able to come in and they'll call us on a whim saying, hey, I have a student and I think that this will be that you can help him or Mm. her. And we'll just come in and meet with the student right there in school. We'll just get a hall pass for them and be able to speak with them to see what's going on, to see if they can qualify for anything. Because there's a lot of visas, especially young kids, that they qualify for and they have no idea about it or they don't have the funds to pay an attorney to do it, which is called an SIJ. That's for unaccompanied minors that come here to the United States. So if they are here with one parent or if they were completely abandoned or if they left their country because they were being threatened by gangs or things of that nature, a lot of times they can qualify for the special visa and they don't even know that they can. And that's when we actually put them with our legal counsel so mm-hmm. they can have that conversation so that the attorneys can determine, you know, whether they qualify for those positions. With all that need and over the last year, what has it been like trying to get volunteers and expanding? So it's tricky with volunteers because it's a very, very personal matter. And we have prided ourselves over the past 50 years, really, on retaining our employees. So all of our employees have been with us for 20, 25 plus years. So when people come and visit our office, they always will see a familiar face. It's not just going to be a volunteer they've never seen before and they have to retell their entire story all Mm. over again. With volunteers, we use them more or less with, like Maria mentioned, the English classes. And now that we're getting more and more involved in different events, we actually have an event coming up in November, our first event, um, where we'll be launching a video and things like that. So more to come on that. But that's how we'll utilize volunteers, helping us get the word out about the services that we provide and impact club. I mean, being able to speak and being granted all of that money has been life changing for us because even if we wouldn't have won the money, getting our word out was Mm -hmm. invaluable. I mean, so many people that never knew who we were, like yourself, (laughs) as a prime example that, you know, you see Spanish being community mayor, you're like, ah, whatever, you know, maybe they're teaching English classes, but you have no idea of the resource that we are and presenting there was very eye opening, I think, for a lot of people. So, yeah, I'll put the onus on me. So for dummies like me that just read the name of your organization, Spanish-speaking communities of Maryland or uh, SSCM, is there a challenge to tell your story to people? That do you, or is there a worry that people will just look at the name and kind of move on? All the time. And that's why we're never going to stop speaking and we're never going to stop spreading the word of what we do because it's so important that people understand who we are. Again, we're the only organization in Frederick that does what we do. So once people know who we are, I strongly believe that the name won't matter anymore because SSCM. Everyone will know exactly what that is and how we can help. 
families here. What are some of your big things you're hopeful for about year two? Well, I think continuing to develop and grow, continue to help families. I mean, Frederick is growing constantly. It's not going to slow down. It's only going to increase in terms of population. And I think a lot of migration is happening in Frederick. So our goal is to continue to help those families, to be their voice, to be able to help them, and to be able to help these children. I would like to see English classes in some more of the schools. So we had it at Hillcrest last year. I think we were looking at expanding into one or two more schools this year. One of my goals is with our new hire is to get them more in the schools because before it was just Maria and I and obviously we're two people and there's a million Title I schools. So with this new employee, getting them more, moving along, meeting with the kids, like Maria said, helping them, I think we'll be able to be in more places than one. Mm -hmm. And obviously continuing to spread the word about what we do and continuing to raise funds as well for the organization so we can continue with our mission. This is like a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week. Like This isn't just a job for you to do. This is a life. It's a lot. More or less for her. She does a lot of our in-house translations. She gives everyone her cell phone number, which I tell her to stop. But but the point is, is it's critical needs. And when it's a critical need, that can happen at any time of day. And sometimes people take advantage and sometimes they don't, but her phone never stops. So it's morning, night. Yeah, it's 24 hours. I'll give you an example. We have a client right now that we've been helping who is in the hospital right now. And the first number she gave was my cell number to the nurses because she doesn't speak English. So I've been doing translation for John Hopkins for the last couple of days that she's been in the hospital. But you know what? She's she's our client of ours. She needs our help. And this is what we're here for. And she was one of the people that I actually spoke about at the Night of Impact Club, um, one of our success stories, who became self-sufficient, found a place in Baltimore, and is working. But yet, even though she doesn't live in Frederick County anymore, she's still... She still calls us, which that to me is success. success. Yeah. It's very sad that she's in the hospital. I'm sorry that she's feeling ill. But for her to still think of us as part of her extended family, is that's a win for us. Thank you so much for your time. I feel like I'm taking your time is very valuable. So <laughs> I wrap up every interview with the exact same question. We'll kind of go one at a time on this. What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? I'm excited for school to start on both sides, personal and with our organization. My son's going to first grade. It's my last year of preschool for my twins, so my second <laughs> mortgage I'm paying will be done next year. And then with the Comunidad SSCM, this is a new school year. We took year one, when, although we hit the ground running, and I don't even know how we slept because— it was like a whirlwind. This year's going to be amazing because of the contacts and the way we hit the ground running last year. I'm so certain that this year is going to be the best year yet in regards to helping families and helping the kids and just getting to know more people in the area. Just another day. <laughs> another day I wake up is is what I'm looking forward to. And we're very blessed. And we really just have to thank God for everything that we've been given. And actually on the way over here to work this morning to the office, I was thanking God. I was like, I don't think I've said thank you for how much amazingness has happened between Impact Club and then you reaching out to do this podcast. So we're very excited about what's to come. And thank you for allowing us to, again, in another avenue, get our voice heard. I think what's very exciting, I have to echo some of what Natalie said, is definitely what we've the roots that we have now established here in Frederick. A lot of the organizations that we work with, and again, the population growing, I'm looking forward to having this year to help more people, for more people to get to know who we are, how we can help them make a change in their life make Mm -hmm. their life, improve their life, the quality of life for the children as well as their families. From a personal perspective, I love my seven grandchildren. I'm looking forward to spending time with them. They're my life. And uh, just be able to treat everyone as my family. That's fantastic. So wait, hold on. You're keeping it in the family or any of your grandkids in line to work for the SSCM? We'll see. (laughs) I need my voice all be builders and contractors so they can build mama a nice big house. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. Thank Thank you. you.